Shattered Silence, The Countdown. Three women, two years, one city, and still zero answers. was the one in the trash can. She was found upside down naked. Every time I get up, I see it. Every time I get up, I can actually see, I can remember all three of them's faces. Chapter One, Nightmares. Lumberton, North Carolina inside Robinson County. Exit 20 on I-95 South, the last stop before you hit South Carolina, the last stop for Rhonda Jones, Christina Bennett, and Megan Oxendine. I think about these big cities like Charlottesville, you would think it was somewhere like that, that much violence, but it's right here in my hometown. Rhonda Jones's mother, Sheila Price, has always called Lumberton home. She's admitted to me on several occasions that it's not exactly the safest place to raise a family. I try to get my family to always be careful when they're out because a straight bullet don't got a name on it. Lumberton is a place that is by no means a wealthy area. In fact, the exact opposite a place where in the spring of 2017, three women went missing and were found dead all in the same vicinity. Two on the same day, discovered by the same person, and one found about six weeks later, after she was interviewed by a reporter. It's a place where in 2020, families are still waiting for answers. When, how, where, who, why, oh my God. Lumberton was different from the other cities I covered. By the time I showed up in 2017, the community was barely recovering from Hurricane Matthew, which hit in 2016. It seemed like there was too much crime to cover, and the people who should care didn't. I stopped reporting in December 2018, but this is one case I just couldn't get off my mind. Why haven't they found the person or people who did this? Three women are found dead in the same area, and what? Nobody cared? Now, if you're looking for a story that has a happy ending or is wrapped, packaged, and ready to go, this isn't it. The Lumberton Police Department still hasn't said whether or not it believes the deaths were related. All three women's rape kits sat untested for more than a year, and I found something interesting in one of the autopsy reports I'll speak on in a later chapter. Even with the FBI's help, there are still many questions that have gone unanswered for more than two and a half years. Who would I be as a journalist, as a person even, if I didn't dig deeper? Get answers. Ask any reporter and they'll tell you they're a voice for the voiceless. And this story needed a voice more than ever. We couldn't even view Rhonda's body because it was so decomposed. I mean, I couldn't even kiss my child by or nothing when she died. It was April 18th, 2017, when a man checking out an apartment for rent found not one, but two naked decomposing women 
just blocks apart from each other. Dallas Butler told me the landlord gave him the keys so he could look at the place on his own. But he said he didn't even need them. Like most abandoned houses and apartments in the area, the doors were ripped off when he got there. I go to the back bedroom and I look out the window. And at that time, it was right around the area. There wasn't that many leaves in the trees. And I looked across and saw this lady sitting in what I, I assumed to be an entertainment center. I thought she was somebody who just drunk. I'm thinking maybe she had her own house. And the house was, you know, fully furnished. Not thinking much of it at first, he continued to look around the property. I went to live room and I thought about it. I said, that lady didn't look like she was moving. So I went back in the bedroom and I looked out the window again. She was still in the same position. So I immediately went downstairs, walked through the backyard, went over there and knocked on the window, and she didn't, she didn't move or nothing. So I came back over to 506 and I called the police. It was 32-year-old Kristen, or as her friends called her, Christina Bennett. A woman Dallas had seen so many times before just walking the neighborhood, now dead. She was naked, wrapped in a gray blanket in a TV entertainment center inside that abandoned house by the railroad tracks. But when I looked out the window and saw the girl, when you go in there, when, the way they had it in the entertainment center, they had a back turned to the window and her head was leaning so you couldn't see her face. Christina was white. She had a round face and black hair with bangs straight across her forehead that fell down to her eyebrows, kind of like Sandra Bullock had in the movie The Blind Side. Sheila told me Christina moved to Lumberton about nine years ago. Dallas said he didn't recognize her at first because of how much her body had decomposed. He said by the time officers showed up, there was already a large crowd of people wanting to know what happened. The officers told Dallas he needed to speak with an investigator and to wait nearby. So when I got over there to the building, I noticed these three trash cans sitting there, and I just went to, I went to say, good question, I can't stand over here, about to make me throw up. I mean, I just reached the grab trash can to look and see what was in. I thought maybe somebody threw a dead dog or something in it. And that's when I saw the other leg, and I whistled to the asthmatic people. And, you know, not to, not to get everybody all hyped up, I was trying to draw their attention because everybody was everywhere. My foot was sticking straight up in the trash can that was decaying because they had maggots and stuff on it. He saw 36-year-old Rhonda Jones, Sheila's daughter, mother of five, with one young granddaughter at home. The asthmatic people looked at me, and I just waved up and, and waved them towards me and said, two, put two fingers up in there and pointed at the trash can. And he turned and looked at me again and said, what? I said, Come. I waved at him again, two fingers in the trash can. And that's when he walked over to me. That's when he looked in there and they moved everybody from the side and started putting more tape around. Rhonda was naked, face down in a trash can. The autopsy report said her skin had begun to fall off. Sheila told me Rhonda was found without her dentures or glasses. And years later, she says those two items were never recovered. Where is her teeth? Where is her glasses? Because she wore them all the time. Where is her clothes? Where is her shoes? And just... Again, why you kill my aunt? Rhonda is seen smiling and laughing in nearly every photo her mother has of her. She has beautiful long black hair, defined features like her nose and cheekbones, and had several tattoos, something her little sister Sherlyn would use to identify her body when the time came. The police took her to the police department to show her a picture of a tattoo. 
and she identified it as Rhonda's distinct tattoo on her thigh. So it was 48 days later on June 3rd, a third woman, Megan Oxendine, who was just 28 years old, was found less than 500 feet from where Christina and Rhonda's decomposing bodies were discovered. This happened after Megan appeared on a local news station talking about Rhonda and Christina's deaths, not knowing she would be next. Here's a clip of Megan talking to a reporter near where the two women were found on that deadly neighborhood block. I don't understand how somebody could do somebody's child, mother, niece, right down. Megan had a tiny frame. She almost looked frail and delicate. She had on hoop earrings with her dark hair pulled back in a bun and was in a Chicago Bulls hoodie the day she was interviewed, just weeks before she too was found dead. Both Rhonda and Megan were Lumbee. In fact, 40% of Robeson County's population identify as Lumbee, one of the eight state-recognized Native American tribes in North Carolina. Robeson County is what's called a majority-minority county, made up mostly of ethnic minorities. According to the 2010 census, 57% of Robeson County residents are low-income and 33% live below the poverty line. I quickly learned this three years ago as a new reporter for a local TV station. Lumberton was part of my coverage area, and as I spoke to the locals while out on stories, I would learn even more about the Lumbee tribe and what it means to Robeson County, and what Rhonda's mom thinks it could mean for this case. I personally feel like somebody targeted those girls. I really do. If you live in Robeson County, you know about this case. Whether you witnessed it, heard about it, or saw the flyers with Rhonda, Christina, and Megan's faces on bulletin boards and lampposts across town. If you don't live in Robeson County and were to ask anyone on the street about it, you would find nearly everyone has a differing opinion on who they think is responsible for the three women's deaths. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I think it's got something to do with the Robeson County court system and all that. Because you got a lot of drug, you know, drugs happening around Robinson, Wilmington area. Well, all this time I've been told this girl drug dealer and two boys killed him, and then the other part of the community thinks cops done it. So it's between those two, I guess. Because me personally, I don't know, but I ain't gonna stop until I find out. One thing I noticed while reporting in Robeson County was the disconnect between residents and law enforcement. And after learning about Operation Tarnished Badge, the feeling of distrust some residents felt didn't seem like a far reach. In 2006, 22 law enforcement officers with the Robeson County Sheriff's Office were arrested, including the former sheriff at the time, Glenn Maynard. This was after a three-year investigation led by state and federal law enforcement agencies into illegal activities happening in the sheriff's office. Former District Attorney Johnson Britt said it was the largest investigation of police corruption in state history. Some of the crimes included money laundering, kidnapping, armed robbery, drug trafficking, 
burning a home during a drug raid and stealing money from that home. All 22 officers pleaded guilty and received sentences ranging from a few months up to 34 years in prison. Current Robinson County Sheriff Bernus Wilkins, who was not with the department at the time, told me how the investigation deeply affected the community. The agency in itself, not only the sheriff's office, but this entire county took a huge hit, um, you know, reputation-wise, credibility-wise, uh, related to that investigation. It's taken several years to overcome it. Uh, I, I think that actually, I think we have overcome it. You'll still hear an occasional person try to bring it up um, and even accuse us of something and say, you know, they'll throw out that tarnished badge and uh, we just need to come back together as a people and uh, try to get you know, our reputation back. And we've done that. Sheriff Wilkins was sworn in on December 3rd, 2018. He's also a former Lumberton City Councilman. I interviewed him then about his plans for the future of Robinson County, and he tells me now how he's worked hard to not only change Robinson County's reputation, but the department's relationship with the community. Transparency has been huge in getting more people to reach out to us anonymously or through emails or uh, Messenger and uh, other social media platforms. Uh, by utilizing all that, we've been able to, uh, to knock a dent in, uh, in some of the crime here in the county. I do want to point out that since all three women were found in the city of Lumberton, the case falls on the Lumberton Police Department. I've reached out to the Lumberton Police Chief and will continue to do so until I hear back. In April 2020, it'll be three years since Rhonda and Christina were found. Three years of questions, three years of waiting, and three years of hardly any answers. It took nearly a year and a half for Christina, Rhonda, and Megan's autopsy results to be released to the public, and their rape kits all sat on a shelf untested for a year and eight months. I, I personally, I, I don't think with all this technology and stuff we have today, there ain't well, no way that medical examiner couldn't have found something on one of them bodies. They just, I just, I, I don't believe it. I never will. I don't even know when my child died yet. It is not fair at all. The families of these women have dealt with many challenges over the past three years. Haunting images sit in Sheila Price's mind when she's alone in her home, surrounded by pictures of her daughter. One Easter Sunday led to two, and will soon enough lead to three without Rhonda. But Sheila says she has no plans of giving up. She wants to know what time, what day even, her daughter died and has faith. She'll get those answers no matter how long it takes. I hope that people will see that some people are not going to put up with this. People are starting to speak up and speak out. Shattered Silence the Countdown is produced by me, Teresa Galasso. To find out more about this podcast and the Shatter the Silence movement, visit my website, TeresaReports.com. You can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TeresaReports.
Thank you.